You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Good evening and welcome to the Jewish Matters podcast. And tonight, Parsha Dvaigash is the third installment in the saga of Joseph and his brothers. And the question is, was the reunion of Joseph and his brothers really a reuniting? The Parsha will begin with Yehuda stepping forward and putting himself on the line for his younger brother, Benjamin, and then Joseph's revealing himself to his brother. So let's set the scene. Uh, Benjamin has been framed by the viceroy in Egypt. Uh, the silver chalice was found in his bag. He is brought back to Egypt, and his brothers accompany him. Yehuda steps forward to engage Yosef, to engage the viceroy. And his argument is really twofold. His argument is that if we don't bring this boy back, if we don't bring Benjamin back, who is the only surviving son of Yaakov's favorite wife, Rachel, we don't bring him back, it will kill Yaakov. It will kill our father. And he says, and furthermore, I guaranteed for him. And so he heroically places himself in as an offer to uh, take Binyamin's place in servitude for the rest of his life. Interesting question was, who was he doing this for? Was he doing it for his father Yaakov and for the promise he made to him? Or was he doing it for Binyamin? And really, what Joseph was trying to see is, had the brothers vindicated himself, would they put their neck on the line for one of the sons of Rachel instead of turning on one of the sons of Rachel, which they had done against him? And so Joseph felt that if they would put themselves on the line for a son of Rachel, it would redeem them, vindicate them for what they'd done to him, show a difference of attitude so that they could, in fact, be reunited. So it says, Yosef could not hold out any longer. And very interesting, does that mean that he would have held out longer had he, if he could have? We'll return to this very important point later. So he clears the room and he reveals himself. And it said that Egypt and the house of Paro heard Joseph's cries. What did they make of this? More about that as well. And what does Joseph say to his brothers? And he says, is our father still alive? I am Joseph, who you sold into slavery. Ha'od avi chai. Now, he'd been asking all along if their father was living. And practically, Jacob could have passed away since the last time he saw them. But really, his asking that question was a veiled um, indictment or a veiled putting on the spot of his brothers. Uh, the rabbis tell us that we're told that when Jacob finally finds out Joseph is alive, his spirit returns to him. And the rabbis say that for the 20 years when Joseph was away, the spirit, the divine spirit, had left him because he could not be in a state of joy. And so, uh, in a sense, the brothers had killed Yaakov on a certain level. And what he's saying to them is, how could you have done this to your father? He might still be alive, but look what you put him through. 
Now, they were speechless. But then he declares to them, I'm Yosef who you sold. He says, do not be distressed. I am not angry that you sold me. Why? Because he says, Hashem, the Almighty, sent me before you to give life. Yosef overcame what his brothers had done to him because he saw in it a divine plan and mission. And it's hard to even fathom what Yosef could or would have been feeling. Revealing himself to his brothers who had betrayed him, who had almost killed him, who had made him go through all those years of terrible suffering. And yet he overcomes it. Now, seeing it as God's plan does not necessarily saying that he sees it as God's plan does not necessarily mean that the brothers are vindicated. It means that Yosef sees that there was a greater purpose in it as well. And it says that the brothers were speechless. And this is also very important because will the brothers ever speak up? Try and follow. And we'll see that the brothers do not say anything the whole time. So Yosef said, it's not you who sent me down here. It's the Almighty Hashem sent me and placed me as an av to paro, as an advisor to paro, and as a master over his house in Egypt. And because in that position, he would be able to take care of his family. And he doesn't even say this was God's plan to save me. It was God's plan to save all of us. And then he tells them to go get Yaakov, to bring them down into Egypt, and he will sustain them. Remember, there's going to be another five years of famine or so. And he tells them also, go tell my father about the honor of Egypt and all you have seen. But he does want to uh, show his father that he made good. He does want to be proud in in front of his father. He does want to please his father. And says, go quickly, bring him down. And then he finally lets himself be emotional after having explained himself. What a control, what a level of self-control. Then it says he finally falls on Benjamin's shoulders and cries, and Benjamin falls on him and cries. And then it says, though, he did move on. Now it goes first to Benjamin. You see clearly the stronger connection there to the other civilization. But he does then say that he went and he cried and he kissed his brothers and wept over them as well. And the real question we have is why did the brothers not say anything? What should they have said? Joseph had absolved them. It doesn't matter. They still should have apologized for what they did to Yosef. And we'll have to explore this. Does that mean that ultimately? They looked back and said, we had reasons to do what we did. When they were framed earlier, they confessed that we should have listened to our brother's our cries and pleads. So that's something to think about as well. And it won't be till next week's Parsha that we get to see a deeper sense of what should have unfolded. Should Joseph have held out longer? Was there something was not completed in the brother's tshuva? Why did not they not apologize and ask for forgiveness from Yosef? 
And finally, he sends him off, tells him to go get Yaakov. And um, it said that an announcement went out in all of Egypt saying Joseph's brothers have come and it was favorable to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Now, another fascinating question is, what did the Egyptians think of all of this? It says that they heard a cry. They know that Joseph had framed these 10 brothers. And now all of a sudden they turn out to be his brothers. Did the Egyptians just write it off to family feud and uh, embroilment? And, you know, sometimes, well, you can't really understand what's going on in another family on your own. Could it have been that? Could it have been that the inner uh, core of the court who are privy to Yosef's intrigues of uh, not revealing himself earlier, which they must have wondered, of placing the money in the bags, of framing the cup in Benjamin's bag? Could it have been that was just a small group of the inner court, and therefore the larger Egypt did not really know about it, and the cry that was heard could have they could have thought was just a cry of joy at being reunited. So, interesting question to think about. And so the family comes down to Egypt. Yaakov was told that his son Yosef was still alive, and in a sense, he did not believe it. Now, the rabbis, though, say something very interesting. They say that since he didn't have joy, therefore the divine spirit could not be resting on him. He could not have had prophecy all these years. And he was, had some disconnection with the Almighty on some level. And so because of that, he knew and felt and understood that Yosef was still alive. Somewhere deep down, he suspected it. That's the way the rabbis take it. But I'll ask another bothersome question. What did Yaakov think once Yosef turned up? And if the brothers didn't have an explanation for him of what happened to Yosef all these years, surely when he got down to Egypt, would he not have been asked, Yosef, what's going on? What happened? Now, there is one approach to say that Yaakov could have perhaps suspected the brothers. Why do we say that? Because... When he sends Binyamin down, he says, I'm reluctant to, yet lest something happen along the way. Now, that was a very strange thing to say. Because here is this crazy viceroy framing them, throwing them in prison, and Jacob is worried about what's going to happen along the way. What was along the way? Binyamin alone with his brother. Could that have been a hint? Did Jacob suspected something? Could it be that Yaakov never asked because deep down he might have suspected it, but he didn't want to know the truth? The Torah does not tell us, and we'll perhaps never know. Or did Yaakov simply not ask? Simply it was too painful, and he didn't want to know. So we will not know what he was thinking. So Yaakov then finally understands that Yosef is alive. Um, he goes to Beersheba, which interestingly enough is where Yitzchak had gone when he was going to go down to Egypt during the famine. God tells Yitzchak, don't go. But now he's allowing Yaakov to go. 
And not only that, he says, God tells, tells him to go. And he said, I will make you a great nation there. In other words, something good is going to come out of this exile, out of this galut. There will be a flourishing of the Jewish people, which we have seen at different periods. It's good until it isn't, uh, which will happen in Egypt as well, of course, uh, with Paro's oppression. And then he, that God says, I will go down with you, and I will also come back up. Notice the, the language of aliyah, that going down is yiridah, to go down, not just south, but because it's outside of Israel with less sanctity. And when you come back, you go up. But this is the concept of the Shechina in Galut, of the divine presence coming into exile with the Jewish people. Divine presence being also sub- subjugated to being outside of Egypt, yet God still being with the Jewish people. So the 70, the Torah then enumerates the 70 souls who came back, came down to Egypt or, and who were in Egypt, Yosef and his three sons. And those 70 are viewed as the prototypes, as the roots of the 70 nations of the world, an important number. And now we have Yosef's reunion with Yaakov and Paro's, not reunion, but meeting of Yaakov. So it says, Yosef came out in his chariot to greet his father, and he fell on his shoulders and wept. Now, the second dream, according to Nachmanis, has to be fulfilled of the father bowing down to him. It does not happen yet. It will happen in next week. But at this point, it's Yosef honoring his father, not his father honoring the viceroy. So um, Yaakov then says, now that I've seen you, now I can die. Now I'm ready, I am at peace. And that peace that Yaakov sought in his old age, he won't achieve it until he leaves the land of Israel, which in a sense means that he did not have a complete sense of peace. So Yaakov said, then says to Paro, we will live in Goshen because we understand that for the Egyptians, it is a despicable thing. It's a disgusting thing to be raising sheep. In other words, the Egyptians worship the sheep. The Hebrews, the sons of uh, Israel, uh, were shepherds and ate lamb and goat. So they had to be set aside but the Jewish way has always been a nation who dwells apart. And in order to keep our identity, we need to be separate. And so perhaps there was a purpose for Yaakov in doing this as well. So Yaakov was then brought to Paro and gives him a blessing, brought to Paro by Yosef. They have not formally met yet. And then Pharaoh says uh, a very interesting thing. He says, what are the years of your life? How old are you? And Yaakov gives a very circuitous answer. He says, the days of my life did not arrive at the days of the life of my fathers in their dwelling, in their living. And they were few and bad and did not reach those of my father in their living. Why all of that to just say how old you are? What Yaakov is saying is that Yitzchak and Abraham, we said, Abraham came with his years. Uh, Yitzchak was seva tova, he was, had a certain fulfillment, 
at the end of his life. And Yaakov is saying, I, the years, maybe my, the number of years, what might be long, but the years I actually lived, that I actually was able to live, were few. Why? Because of all the travails he went through. Having to live with Laban, his father-in-law. Before that, dealing with Esau. The rape of Dina. Uh, and then the Yosef being uh, gone and suspected dead for all those years. So uh, Yaakov uh, lets that out. And it says, because he complained, because he had that, at the beginning of next week's Parsha, the vision of understanding the future was taken certain degree of divine prophecy was removed from him. So the sons of Israel settle in Egypt, or the Israelites, if you want to call them that. They're no longer Hebrews. Now they're becoming a nation, as God promised, that they would increase and become a nation. And it says they were settled in the best of the land as Pharaoh had directed. And uh, then we have the plan of Yosef. We have uh, the reality of what's going on in Egypt. The people come to Yosef, they're starving. First they say, please let us buy your grain. Remember Yosef's master plan to consolidate all of the food in the years of plenty. And he had the foresight and the others didn't. And so he gets all of the money of Egypt. And then they say we're out of money and they offer their flocks and their cattle. Yosef takes that. And then those run out and they come back again and say, take our land. And Yosef consolidates all the money, all of the flocks, and all of the land of Egypt, and all of the wealth. And so, um, interesting question is here you see uh, Yosef garnishing the absolute power for Harrow. Was that the right thing to do? Is there an ethical dilemma there? Not, apparently not for Yosef. So, it, and then the Parsha ends, and it says the Jewish people settled in Egypt. Now, the big question will be, after the famine is over, are they supposed to return? What did the prophecy God gave to Yaakov in Beersheba mean? Did it mean stay in exile? Didn't mean you will grow, you will prosper and grow to be a great nation during the five years of famine, and then you'll come back. And you could read that they settled in the land, they grabbed the land, or they were grabbed by the land. And so often the story of the Jewish people in exile, we make do as best we can, but best we can turns even into even better, turns into prosperity turns into positions of power, and then the land grabs them. They could not extract themselves. They did not go back to the land. of And so that's where they settle. And setting the stage for next week's Parsha, which we'll talk about, the final days and the passing away of Yaakov. And have uh, a Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And uh, that concludes our discussion on Parsha. Vayigash, the 11th installment of Unveiling Genesis.